I speak to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we celebrate Trinity Sunday, otherwise known as the Sunday rectors pass off to somebody else. <laughs> I saw a meme on Facebook last week that sums up how preachers feel about this particular Sunday. It had a picture of an adorable kitten, and the words above it read, how not to commit heresy preaching on the Trinity. Below the picture, the words of advice were, say nothing and show pictures of kittens instead. <laughs> so, while our dear rector is sipping his morning coffee on a beautiful plaza in Mexico City, I stand before you, seriously tempted to preach about anything but the Trinity. <laughs> Nonetheless, let's dive in. These are difficult readings today. There's no story. There are none of the colorful characters that pepper the gospel stories, no quirky parables to chew on. Instead, we have concepts, ideas, even doctrine to consider. The opening line of the gospel is a good starting point. In John's words, Jesus tells the disciples, I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. Growing up in Catholic school, when we would ask questions about the concepts like the Trinity, the nuns would say, it's a mystery. We, of course, thought we had caught them. They didn't know the answer. But Jesus' words this morning tell us that the nuns were onto something. I still have many things to say to you. The nuns knew that the mystery that is God is not one to be solved once and for all. The Franciscan priest and writer Richard Rohr says in his book, The Divine Dance, that mystery isn't something that you cannot understand. It's something that you can endlessly understand. I'm convinced that the way we imagine God can help us to be open to this endless, ongoing understanding of who God is and how God works in our lives. Many of us grew up with an image of a monolithic God on high, a distant, static monarch. We have been told that God is one alone, Lord of all, all-powerful, all-knowing, that God has a plan. The problem with that is that it can leave God out there with all the answers that somehow we have to figure out or else. It's left us believing that experts in religion can tell us who God is and what the right answers are. But what if what if we imagine God, as Richard Rohr suggests, as utter relationship? Or as the Latin American theologian Leonardo Boff suggests, as communion rather than solitude? How would imagining God 
as a constant flow of the outpouring and receiving of love. Father, Mother, Son, Holy Spirit, and back again. A constant flow of self-giving love and receiving of love that spills out into all of creation. How would that change us? Last week, a group of 11 of us made a pilgrimage to El Salvador to attend a global school seminar with Christosol, a human rights organization that we have an ongoing relationship with. It was a challenging week. We're used to doing, to fixing, to solving problems. But this week was very different. We were there to learn from each other, not to do a project, not to fix anything. And it was uncomfortable at times. We asked ourselves over and over again, what is our role here? We wondered if we were maybe using the pain of others for our learning, and was that okay? We wondered what to do with all that we were seeing and hearing. As I reflect on the week, I'm realizing that what we experienced is a very Trinitarian model of community engagement. We were not the ones from on high with the answers for those poor Salvadorians. We were there to humbly receive their stories, to witness to their reality, and to let that change us. We were invited into the divine dance. We listened to Mario's story, a gang member whose past can never be erased. Mario has turned his life around, and he wants nothing more than to live in peaceful community with his people. But he has the gang's tattoos all over his body. And if the police find him and see these tattoos, they know he's a gang member and they will kill him. If he tries to have the tattoos removed, the gangs will kill him. We didn't have the answer for Mario, nor was that our place. We received his story. And in receiving it, we came to love him and to stand with him in those moments as he fights for his basic human right to life. We also visited a community that's trying to keep its young people safe, both from gang violence and from state-sponsored violence. On that visit, we did an exercise together. We were given big sheets of paper and lots of colorful markers, and the first line of a story that we were asked to finish. In mixed groups of Salvadorians and Americans, we were asked to finish the story together and then draw pictures of our story. We did it. But afterwards, some of us admitted to each other that the exercise felt a little trite. We were telling fairy tales. Turns out, the exercise wasn't for us. It was for our hosts, who live with the threat of violence toward their children day in and day out. 
It was a chance for them to step aside and tap into their deepest hopes and dreams and envision a world where parents can sleep soundlessly at night, knowing their children are safe. We were the recipients of that hope. We were witnesses to a vision that escapes both of our countries, as different as we are. And that brings us back to the mystery of God that we heard about in today's Gospel. God who is three in one, a reciprocal relationship of three distinct persons. Salvador, who runs MOHE, the anti-gang violence program that Mario is a part of, told us that top-down is always oppressive, not restorative. The theologian Leonardo Boff suggests that a top-down God can lead us to repressive engagement with others, engagement that leaves some of us on the top and some of us down below on the bottom. Our hope for restoring a world mired in oppression and injustice lies in an understanding of God rooted in diversity and reciprocal love. If we can embrace an image of God as three distinct persons with such trust and flow between them that they are completely one, maybe we can imagine a world in which we believe that we are one common humanity even in the face of our diversity. Maybe we can change our ways of helping by honoring the differences in the communities we enter and asking what a community needs rather than telling them what we think they need. Maybe we can work for justice with our Trinitarian God's model of radical inclusion, beginning with those we seek to help. Inclusion has always evaded us humans at some level. That's why John's Jesus tells us this morning, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. We have to be patient with one another as we grow together into God's radical vision. Jesus promises us this morning in the Gospel that the spirit of truth, that God's wisdom will continue to reveal to us the divine dance all around us, the dance of inclusion of all humanity in God's promise of abundant life. Proverbs tells us this morning that from the beginning of time, God's wisdom calls out to all that live from the very heart of our communities, from the gate, from the crossroads, from our schools and neighborhoods, from our courts and public spaces. My prayer this morning for each one of us and for all of us together as a community is that we can remain open to that wisdom, to fresh encounters 
with the endlessly knowable mystery of God in Christ through the Spirit. Whether we are in El Salvador or in St. Louis, may the Spirit of Truth grant us the wisdom to live in true communion with one another.